it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 632 for April 4th, 2020. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchotts, back with Programming by Stealth, installment 93 of some number. How are you doing today, Bart? I am doing just fine, Allison. And um, I want to congratulate you on becoming a grandmother again. Yes. Yeah. So uh, I know this is an evergreen episode, so maybe people will be hearing this when my two new granddaughters are six years old. But uh, yeah, I just had two new granddaughters born and uh, pretty excited about that. So I'm down with one of them on my road mic um, in the wrong room with the wrong monitors. And, uh, and you know, the Internet could go out at any moment. So good luck to us, right? Right. And we have quite a long lag. So apologies to both you and the listeners if we step on each other a few times. Yeah, it's it's definitely a little bit laggy, but uh, I'm excited because I cheated and read ahead on the show notes, and this this is really really cool stuff you're going to teach us today. Oh, good. Well, you say cheated and read ahead. You also fixed my typos for me, which I very much appreciate. Look at me being value added. Hey, and I used Git. I used Git Kraken. I I staged my changes and I pushed them up. I'm all I'm all over it now. I've been cheating yeah. and I've and been then I pulled Git them down. The background. Yeah, I pulled them down and we're all good. Yeah, so it's it, it rocks. Um, okay, so since installment 84, we have been slowly making our way through all the different proverbial hats JavaScript makes the poor little object wear. It's, uh, JavaScript really does make the object earn its keep. So the first thing we learned was that objects are used as hash tables and dictionaries, which is their traditional role in most languages. Uh, but JavaScript continues from there and uses them for arrays, and then it uses them for functions. And then it uses them as special kinds of functions like iterators and generators. And then we learned that objects play the role of representing the pieces of a web page in a browser and how we can make nicer objects using jQuery that are like better than the built-in ones. And then we learned that even the stuff that isn't objects like Boolean strings and numbers, well, actually there's wrapper objects to wrap around those non-objects to make them be objects when they need to be objects. And then finally, my favorite friend, the regular expression, oh, look, that's an object too. So, wow, that's quite the hat rack. <laughs> and there's one hat left, and it's a biggie. It's like the top hat of all hats. And it's one I've been afraid of almost, um, because I wasn't sure how to tell the story in such a way that I would bring everyone along. But I think we're getting there because I've decided to break the problem into two pieces, and that way it won't be hopefully it won't be too much to digest in one go. So ultimately what we're interested in is why we have something called object-oriented programming and JavaScript implements that using objects. Thank goodness, that's a sensible thing to do with objects. <laughs> um, but to get to object orientation, I first want to spend today focusing on its little brother. It's sort of, it's, um, it's part of what makes object-oriented programming go, but it's not all of it, but it's such an important part. And that is a concept which is language agnostic. This is not a JavaScript thing. This is just a programming concepts thing. It's called encapsulation. So today, we're just, the whole episode is just about encapsulation. Okay. So you've taught me it has to be a problem to be solved. So... <laughs> Right. So at a fundamental level, programming is about representing information and transforming it in some way. You have data and you process it. And we have variables that let us store our various bits and bobs of information. 
and we have functions that let us transform it. And so if you're writing a simple script, you'll declare a few variables, write a few functions, and that's grand. And if your script contains one concept, well, then that's fine. You have a collection of variables for that concept and a collection of functions for that concept. But as your code becomes more complicated and you're solving bigger, bigger problems, you don't have a concept you're representing. You have many concepts in the one page or in the one web app or the one programming assignment or whatever. And now if every concept has 20 variables and 20 functions, it very soon becomes very confusing. What's what and what is it doing with where? And then you've got to be really good at naming things. And then even then you may end up with similar concepts. So you might think of a similar name and you end up overriding a function or overriding a variable. And the whole thing becomes very confusing and very messy very quickly. So when he, I thought some that was sort of just way, me, Bert. I thought that was just me. I'm already confused, and I'm not writing anything very complex yet. But we are. <laughs> um, oh. Like, our currency converter is, that's a proper web app. I have been on web pages that are less good than what you, like, way less good than what you wrote. I have way oh. more ads because they're just cheap ways of making money, but yours is way better. <laughs> not just ad-free, also good. Yay. Yeah. So... What we want to do is to solve that chaos by wrapping all of the related pieces into a single thing, and that process of wrapping the data with its functions, so its data and the functions, wrapping them up into one little package is called encapsulation. And so it's a computer science term, and it's lots of languages have it. So... Regardless of the language, encapsulation always allows us to combine data with functions. Otherwise, it isn't encapsulation. But as we learn throughout this series, when we move into other languages, it's not only about uh, wrapping functions and data together. Uh, encapsulation is also a very important potential place where a language can choose to be a gatekeeper to in, impose access controls. So basically, you not only is the data contained in here, the language is going to hide it from outside code. And oh. like JavaScript is a loosey-goosey sort of language, right? We learned about this at the very, very start. It's loosely typed. So it's, it's very much a what-you-want-kind-of-goes language. But other languages that are strongly typed, like Java, were a variable can only be an integer or a double precision floating point number. In those strongly typed languages, you tend to also find very strong access controls in your encapsulation. So you can say that my encapsulated contraption contains a property called boogers and no one outside of the, uh, no, no code outside of the encapsulation is allowed to even see that variable. And so okay, those uh, concepts just don't exist in JavaScript. Part. Yeah. Uh, so access controls is is what other functions are allowed to see what I have inside of this encapsulation. Correct. It's it's a little more coarse grained than that. It's basically it divides the world into inside and outside. It, think of it like a firewall on, on your router or something. Some things are visible to everyone inside and outside the encapsulation, and some things are only for outside the encapsulation or for inside the encapsulation. Okay, so that's it's, it's if a, very a language supports. Uh, access control. So with JavaScript not Correct. supporting it, is everything inside the func the encapsulation or is everything outside? Everything is available from everywhere. 
loosey-goosey. So if okay. there's no access control, it means everyone gets to play with everything. So that means you do still have to have unique uh, function names and unique variable names? No. No, because it's namespaced. It's, about, it's not about the naming, it's about the access. It'll become more oh. clear when we go on. Okay, okay, all right. The concept of being denied access is something you haven't encountered um, because JavaScript is loosey-goosey, so you've yet to run into a language where all of a sudden you know what a variable exists because, well, you declared the variable, you know it exists, and the language says no. You, you've never come across that because JavaScript doesn't have that concept. But if you start writing in Java or PHP, the language will say, nope, that's a private variable. You're on the wrong side of the encapsulation. Sod off. <laughs> Great. As I say, that's a, an advanced feature. And uh, uh, sit down with a few beers in a pub with some programmers, and what you will find is a whole bunch of them will sneer at JavaScript because it doesn't do the fancy access control. <laughs> don't care. I, I emphasize with both points of view, I started life as a Java programmer, and in my more childish youth, I may have had that kind of silly opinion, but I have matured and grown into a sane adult. Well, mostly. <laughs> Partly. Yeah. Somewhat. Relatively. Anyway. Okay. So, this is, a diff- this is all abstract concepts. So, I thought, let's make it concrete. And let's make it concrete by... An example. So we have a wonderful member of the community called Kaylee. And whenever she does a review for us, she doesn't mention the price of things in dollars. She always talks about hooniackers. It's 500 hooniackers for a new doodad or whatever. So we are going to represent the hooniacker in code. So it's going to have some data about the hooniacker and some functions for using the hooniacker. And we're going to start I off love that you utterly. Hooniackers. <laughs> hey, I loved spelling it every time. I actually had to ask you how how I should spell hooniacker. <laughs> well, yeah, because you don't want to look stupid, right? <laughs> right. Yeah, I could misspell a made up word. That'd be terrible. So, for this first part of our installment, it's PBS ninety three A is the file we're going to be using to run our examples in, and. I have broken the actual code for the Hooniacker out into its own file called hooniacker1.js and pbs93a includes that file using a script tag. Really the main so job of pbs93a... At, at, do I need to be looking at the J- JavaScript file or j- the output of the HTML? Uh, to be honest, I think I have all of the code in the show notes. So really, you just need the console uh, for PBS93A so that you can see when we get to execute the examples, just have PBS93A with its console is all you need. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, What is it? Basically, PBS93A is just there to give us a, a way of interacting with the code. So it's mostly some template HTML. It contains a pre, a pre tag and a paragraph tag. Uh, called out text and out HTML uh, and some very some jQuery variables to reference those so that we have somewhere to write our examples to. That's that's really all there is to the HTML file. It's 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 purely there is a mechanism to run examples. The brains okay. of everything is that Hooniacker onejs So our starting point is utterly naive. Zero encapsulation. The way we would have written code from day one 
So, giant big three-line comment, define data related to the Hooniacker. Const Hooniacker name equals the string Hooniacker. Const Hooniacker description HTML is a fictitious currency invented by podcast listener and Nocilla Castaway Kaylee that happens to equal about one US dollar, and Nocilla Castaway is in italics because it's a made-up word. Um, <laughs> const Hooniacker symbol equals something that it looks like an N, think N for Nocilla Cast, and don't at all think that it looks like the symbol for the shekel. It's complete <laughs> coincidence. Work, work with our imagination here. Indeed. And then Hooniacker symbol HTML happens to be the font awesome glyph icon for a thing that looks awfully like the shekel. Uh, and then finally, Hooniacker num decimal places is three because, well, we know Silla Castaways are an odd bunch, so why not? <laughs> so we then have some functions for manipulating our variables. Uh, describe Hooniacker. Uh, it basically is going to return to us a plain text string that says the Hooniacker is a fictitious currency invented by podcast listener, blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. Its symbol is, and then includes a symbol, and it has three decimal places, it will say, because it uses the variables. Uh, I also cheat a little. Well, I don't cheat. Um, I hate typing the same thing twice if I don't have to. I, it makes me cranky. So rather than having a text description and an HTML description, I use jQuery to convert the HTML to plain text. And that's how I get my plain text. Oh, okay. It's an interesting cheat, but I just, yeah. So basically I make a paragraph that contains the HTML and then I say .text. And jQuery's .text function pulls the unformatted text out of any HTML tag. So in this case, we're pulling the text out of a paragraph. Perfect. Uh, we have another one described Booniacker HTML. It's much simpler. It just uses, you know, template string to build up same text only in HTML. We have a function as Hooniacres, and it takes one argument, an amount, and it returns a nicely printed, a nicely formatted version of that amount as a Hooniacker. So if you give it 42, you'll get back the Hooniacker symbol 42. If you give it pi, you'll get the Hooniacker symbol 3. 0.141 because it's three decimal places <laughs> and a similar HTML one that uses the HTML uses the nice font awesome um, glyphicon instead of the plain text so that's as Hooniacker's HTML so four functions and a handful of variables all separate Looks good we can so far. see them in action in the console yes so if you pop into the console dollar out text that append describe Hooniacker you'll see the plain text Hooniacker description, dollar out HTML append describe Hooniacker HTML, you get the HTML version, and then we can render pi by saying dollar out text.empty.append as Hooniacker's math.py, and then dollar html.empty.append as Hooniacker's HTML math.py, and it does what it's supposed to, I hope. Let's check you. So, um, so that little uh, that little line of code is is that a mustache going on there or something into a text box? No, 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 no mustaches. All mustache free. So just using you're... jQuery to append stuff into the DOM. Okay, but I don't know what dollar out underscore HTML is. It's just a, so. Remember, I was saying that all the page has is some placeholders. So, so a par uh, one of them was a paragraph for the HTML, and the other one is a pre-tag. So the plain text is just a pre-tag that you're appending to. Okay. 
I still don't know what dollar out underscore HTML is. It is dollar out underscore HTML is a paragraph in the page which we're using jQuery to put content into. Okay, I'll I'll go back and look at the code, but I, I I I'm seeing it in action. I understand it conceptually, not exactly, but I can do it. Okay, so this is zero encapsulation, right? Handful of variables strewn across the global namespace, and a handful of functions strewn across the global namespace. Just like I'm let used us, to. Yeah. So let us take the first step towards encapsulation. The easy step. Let us encapsulate the data. So what we need is some sort of mechanism for having a single variable hold multiple named pieces of information. Leading the witness somewhat, is there anything you can think of that sounds like that? that we have covered recently? Um, I'm not sure what you're asking for. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so a single variable that contains multiple name value pairs. What does that sound like? Oh, a dictionary. Okay. Exactly, yeah. Dictionary is the mechanism okay. for encapsulating data. So ah, PBS93B okay. is basically identical to PBS93A, except on one teensy-veensy line, you know, a little bit of English telling you you're on a different file. And instead of including hooniacker1.js, it includes hooniacker2.js. And hooniacker2.js encapsulates the data by wrapping it into a dictionary named hooniacker. So we have const hooniacker equals open curly to start our dictionary, name colon hooniacker, description HTML colon a fictitious currency, yada, 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 symbol colon the symbol, symbol HTML, num decimal places, right? So it's the same information, but it's now in a dictionary, which means that we can is so much the cleaner, if nothing else. That's really pretty. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So even if you, nothing you else, you can look it right wins. at it. You can look right at it and say, well, if I wanted to know the name, I could say huniacker.name and it would spit out huniacker, which to most people wouldn't sound exactly. like it was making sense, but makes complete sense in this context. Yeah, it does. The string huniacker and the name huniacker are not the same thing. Right. So right. by doing that, we've now changed our names of things. So we obviously have to update our functions just simply to change huniacker name to huniacker.name and huniacker symbol to huniacker.symbol, etc. So the oh, show notes I, just I'm contain sorry, I, one I updated and, function. I cheated and went, read, went ahead there, but it's just so obvious that we know how to access things inside a dictionary, and that's it's actually easier to read. Yeah. It is, because we don't have as long of variable names now. The dots help break it apart. It's like, oh, right, the number of decimal places in a huniacker. Okay, great. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> So right, right. we can copy and paste the same test, describe Hooniacker, et cetera, and it behaves identically to before because all we've really done is rearranged our code. We've refactored it, but we haven't changed what it does. Right. Well, so that's a good thing that it came out with the same, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. That is Yes, when you're refactoring, no change is, is good or no change in behavior <laughs> is good. So... The second step then, so we've now cleaned the variables out of the global namespace, but we've still left all of our functions strewn about. So let us try and encapsulate those. And this is where I remind you yet again that a dictionary can store anything a variable can store. And variables can store primitive values or references to objects. And as we learned in our vast hat rack of recent episodes, JavaScript functions are objects. Therefore, our dictionary that contains our data can also contain our functions. 
And we can just I have to tell you something funny right here. Function expression. I got I got to interrupt you, Bart. When I read that part in in the show notes, I went what? And my grandson, who's three and a half, said what? Mimir, what are you talking about? And I said, would you believe that you can embed functions in a dictionary? <laughs> anyway, I enjoyed it. <laughs> The conversations oh, you had. And right? I would have loved if he'd said, well, of course, Granny. <laughs> Everybody knows that. I would have been hilarious. So we can use function expressions to just embed our stuff straight in. And you might think it's as simple as copying and pasting the stuff in. And it's almost that simple. But there's one subtlety we need to deal with. So when I refactored the data we had to alter the content of the functions to change the names of things. Well, if I move the functions, I'm going to have to do that again. But to what? What we really need is a variable that represents the dictionary I belong to. So from the point of view of the code inside the function that is now, nest, that is now embedded in that dictionary, it would like to be able to say, Oh, whatever dictionary I belong to, give me the name from that dictionary or give me the symbol from that dictionary. So is there a mechanism for saying the dictionary I belong to? And the good news is there is. It is the magic variable this. So when you have a function embedded in a dictionary, the special variable this represents the dictionary. So, um, so I'm not I'm not scared of this anymore. I love this. I understand oh, this. I think Good, I'm, I'm. I know we only went like I don't know nine months where I screamed at you every time you said this. Uh, but I think I've got it now. So you're saying that uh, this describes the dictionary in which this function is is occurred is being described is being declared. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What what where else would it look? I mean, that seems logical, right? That is actually, that is valid and correct. Yes. <laughs> okay. I'm, it, it seems so obvious now, but uh, maybe not earlier. Okay. Good. Yeah. Excellent. So, unsurprisingly, there's a file called PBS93C that's almost identical to PBS93B, and the biggest change is that it now references Hooniacker3.js, and Hooniacker3.js has basically moved our functions. Now, Hooniacker3.js looks very long because it's full of comments. So to see the structure at its most elemental, I've done something I don't think I've ever done before. I have put a version of the code in the show notes that has no comments because that makes it clearer. Oh, that's interesting. That's counterintuitive, uh, right? Darn straight. I felt very weird deleting all those juicy comments. (laughs) But what you can see from that code is that it's just a dictionary, right? So our functions are just dictionaries. So describe is what I renamed the function describe Hooniacker because there's no point in calling it describe Hooniacker if it's going to be Hooniacker.describeHooniacker. That's, well, that just sounds wrong. So I shorten it. So it's describe colon. So name, colon, value. Well, the value is a function expression. So function, open parens, close parens, open squarely. And then we copy and paste in the code. Only we have to rename our variable again. So this time, instead of saying hooniacker.descriptionHTML, we simply say this.descriptionHTML. This.name. This.symbol. And so on and so forth. Huh. And the 
as Huniaker function now becomes the wonderfully pleasing as. <laughs> that's uh, that's that's wild how clean that gets. Yeah, that's to say, without those pesky comments, it looks very clean. Yeah. So if we run that, I'd to look at that and think that's so much easier. But it it is. It it really looks uh, looks nice. I think I could tell what was going on in that without knowing a lot about what was really happening. Okay, very cool. So this time our examples have become slightly rewritten uh, because the functions are now embedded or encapsulated inside the Huniacker object. So we need to say Huniacker dot describe instead of describe Huniacker. I mean, you say huniacker.describehtml and huniacker.as, math.py, and huniacker.as.html, math.py. But when you run them, oh, look, they do exactly the same thing they've always done. So let me ask you a question, Bart. This this seems like something I want to start doing tomorrow. Not today, because I'm just not going to program anymore today. Um, But how do you decide when the right time to do this is? Do you always do it? Oh, I always life? encapsulate everything. Yes. So you've but been... I, 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 I have... All these years you've been I having to write three. code the way you don't normally write things? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. It's been quite challenging, actually. What a sacrifice. That's horrible. I'm sorry. I, I am... You have no idea how happy that makes me. Because <laughs> it, <laughs> it sounds effort. ridiculous, right? But writing code in a style that you just do not do in real life is actually very difficult. Yeah. Because you're trying to remember what it is you're not supposed to know. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's it, it, This might not be the same kind of example, but it reminds me of when I was in college and I earned money by typing papers for people and I charged 50 cents mm. a page. And this one guy brought me a paper, a handwritten, and it, the spelling was absolutely atrocious. So I was doing a lot more work to fix all the spelling. And I said, you know, I'm going to yeah. charge you 75 cents a page. And he goes, no, no, do it for 50 cents and don't fix the typos. It was horrible. That's harder. Oh, it was way harder. I was like, oh, man. So you got free typo fixes, basically. <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah, he was smarter than I was, yeah. even if he couldn't spell. Yeah, I was just going to say he saw you coming because he knew that was easier. Yeah, Mm, probably. Anyway, so let us take a moment before I'm going to unfortunately point out the shortcomings of this technique. But they're shortcomings we will fix. No, no. They're giving us a problem to be solved and we will have a solution to it that is wonderful. That is elegant, brilliant, and it takes us that step from encapsulation to object orientation. But Mm -hmm. I can't take you on the journey to object orientation until I point out what is what encapsulation alone doesn't give us. But before I go negative or not negative, before I point out the fact that this is not, in fact, a panacea, I do want to point out all of the advantages we've obtained already because we keep those advantages. So the file Huniacker 3 defines one globally scoped variable. That one variable contains all the information and all of the functions. So that is a very clean way of having your code not clutter the global namespace, right? One variable to capture the entire concept of Huniakerness. <laughs> and if I need Huniakers in lots of different web pages or lots of different programming projects, 
I just include huniacker3.js and I get my huniacres and it's just in one variable. So it's very easy to use. If I want to share the huniacre with the world, I just publish that one file and it's very easy for, for people to use to reuse my code because it's all encapsulated nicely in that one variable called huniacre. What a good name. So you just grab also, you know, lines one to 50 and hand it to somebody? I just give them text, give them the file huniacker3.js and say, include that in your code. And hey, presto, you can now make all the huniacres you want. <laughs> Unfortunately, they're not exchangeable for goods. We're printing money right now. Okay, okay. So I haven't actually looked at the JavaScript file. So huniacker3.js is only this dictionary with a huniacre in it? That is all it contains. It is an entire file that defines a single dictionary with the name huniacre, which encapsulates... I'm going to keep using that word, encapsulates all the data and all the functions in that one single variable. Wow. Which is an object. It is an encapsulated object. I would also argue that this kind of code with the dot is easier to read. Huniacre.as42 is easier to read than, well, as Huniacre's 42 or whatever. It's just, I, I definitely think that you can write more Englishy, more human-friendly code when you're able to use the dot syntax. Yeah. In, so, in fact, when, when I read your function originally as Huniacre, I'm, I'm, I looked at it, I was like, what, you know, wait, what, what, every, every other uh, definite, you know, every other variable name seemed to make sense. And I looked at that when I didn't get it. As soon as it was Huniacre.as42, I was like, oh, now I know why you said it that way. Yeah. Yeah. So... We have gained a lot, right? We, we have, this has been a productive way of, just, all we've really done is refactored our code. But it's been a good refactoring, a productive refactoring. So we're done, right? Mm, no. Totally. Okay, no? so now the problem. The problem is we have fixed, we have solved one problem very well. But actually, the Hooniacker is just one imagined currency. I could imagine another currency. In fact, I have. Myself and my brothers have a familect, is actually the official technical term. Uh, you, know, you know the way a dialect is something a whole bunch of people who live together say? Well, a familect is a family dialect. And in the Bouchot's family, we have bastardized the common Irish expression quid into squid. So we <laughs> talk about something costing 500 squid. That is, a, myself and my two brothers, we talk about squid. No one else on planet Earth talks about squid. That's a little, a little Bouchot's family. I'm sorry, but they will so now. So my imagine. Pro, I hope so. I hope well, look what them, happened to Huniac. So, exactly. So let us encapsulate the squid. So squid1.js. Well, okay, let's... And there is also a matching pbs93d.html. So squid1.js, the first thing I sort of want to draw your attention to is that well, actually, the data part looks awfully similar to the Huniacre. It has a name property. It just contains a different value. Squid instead of Huniacre. It has a description HTML. It just contains a different string. Fictitious currency invented by Bart that happens to equal about one euro these days, even though it started life being equal to one Irish punt. So the, the, the squid has actually changed value when we changed to the euro. It has a symbol <laughs> that I just made up today um, that looks strangely like a currency called the Hrivnia. How do you okay. pronounce H or Y V? Like no vowel, no vowel, squid. no vowel. I will stick to in the end. You pronounce it squid. That's how. Squid. Yes, that's how we pronounce it. Yes. <laughs> and I'm I'm a boring person compared to Kaylee, so I have two decimal places in my squid. Ah. Uh. 
but the keys in those key value pairs are exactly the same. And if you look inside squid1.js, the second shoe it's about to come clattering down is that the functions don't just look similar. They are character for character identical. Because okay. this now refers to squid. Okay. I didn't have to change... Because of the magic of the keyword this, I didn't have to change a single character in those functions. Oh, right, 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 right. I copied right, and pasted right. them. Oh, and, and that wasn't even because you're incredibly clever thinking ahead, not naming anything with Huniak or inside? No, it's because that's the natural way to do encapsulation. You use the keyword this. So it's entirely natural that it would be like that. Okay. Hmm. So you can run... Oh, I forgot to include the examples in my code. That's interesting. Or did I include them further down? No, I actually forgot to include the examples. That's that's terrible. Well, well by the you time you get here, they'll be there. If, if you... If you take the Hooniacker examples from the previous section and replace the word Hooniacker with squid, they will all work, just like the Hooniacker ones did. And I will fix the show notes before the listeners hear this. So if I do $out.empty append and I change it to squid as HTML, squid exactly. as HTML, there it is. It's 3.14 squid is, is a math.py exactly. as HTML. So. And the functions are identical. I've copied hmm. and pasted them. Hmm. I've copied and pasted them. Wait, wait, that's nope. a bad smell, Bart. God, forget about bad smell. <laughs> We've gone on to a software engineering stench. <laughs> Is that an official term or did you just make that up too? Nope, I just coined that. I just made that up because it's like, it's like a bad smell. But really, this is beyond a bad smell. And okay, so it's bad to copy and paste between the Hooniacker and the squid. But imagine we were doing a massive big currency conversion table where we wanted objects to represent 50 world currencies. We copy and paste 50 times and then a colleague finds a bug. Then we go command F, find, replace. Did I forget one? Did I miss one? Yes, of course That's you did. That's horrific software engineering. Of course you did, yeah. So it's a code duplication nightmare. So that's obviously a serious shortcoming because really the code we've written, it actually captures the essence not of the Hooniacker and not of the squid, but just of invented currencies in general. We've actually solved a general problem, but we're not getting the value for it because we're being forced to copy and paste. Hmm. So we've done the work, right? Our functions are general. I didn't have to change a single character in those functions and they solve a general problem but they're stuck in a non-general world. So we're obviously missing something. We're missing a next step. So if I wanted to share this code with you so that you could make your own invented currency, I would have to say to you, download hooniacker.js or squid.js, then create an empty copy and name it for your, you know, create an empty file, create an empty dictionary with your own chosen name, copy and paste in the names of all of my fields and then type in your own values and then copy and paste in my functions. And you mm. could do that, and it would work. Mm -hmm. But when I tell you to use moment.js, or when I tell you to use jQuery, do you have to do something as convoluted as that? No. No, so obviously they know something we don't. And what they know about, and we will soon know about, is the concept of a class. 
So the you've been reason, teasing that a long time. Yeah. So the reason that we want to go to object orientation is we can now, that is the key to capitalizing on the fact that we have actually solved the general problem. So object orientation is a way of thinking about code. Computer scientists don't use a word like philosophy. They have a very fancy term for a way of thinking about things. They call it a paradigm. So you, if you read enough, you'll hear people talk about the object-oriented paradigm. It's just an idea, right? The object-oriented idea, the object-oriented concept. Right. And classes get us there. So a class provides a mechanism for defining the structure and functionality of a collection of objects that represent instances of a single idea. So the idea is a made-up currency. And the instances we have so far are Huniacker and Squid, right? So it's one concept and we have two instances, the Huniacker and the Squid. But the code we've written could give us anything, right? Uh, what is it? The Star Trek one that Ken Ray loves going on about Quatloos. We could, we could do Quatloos <laughs> with the same code. If only we could structure it in such a way that it was truly generic, that it did truly capture the abstract concept. And that's what we're going to do next time. No copying and pasting. Able to share it with other developers as easily as you can share jQuery, moment.js, uh, underscore you discovered recently. As easy as you can share any of those things, we'll be able to share our code. Oh, so, cool. Uh, but we don't get to do it today? Are you teasing nope, us? Nope, I'm leaving you on the world's biggest cliffhanger ever, uh, basically. Oh, I but, want to keep going. <laughs> but I made you promise I, to stop giving us so much, didn't I? You did, and also I could never have gotten the, the, the show notes written because while these notes are physically shorter than a lot recently, it took me... I was getting a little nervous because up to this time yesterday, I hadn't quite got my story straight yet. And then ah. it came to me this morning and I got it all written down and I'm happy with it, but yeah. Was, what, was it uh, Benjamin Franklin, I think it was, said... Um, you talk about the length of it. Benjamin Franklin, I think, said, I didn't have time to write you a short letter, so I'm sending you a long one. I must yeah. remember that. Yeah, it, it's, it's absolutely true, right? right. Like writing a clear, concise 140 character tweet is way harder than writing a paragraph. Yes. Yeah. And you know that I haven't had time to think my thoughts through if I send you, a, you know, an email with a scroll bar. Like if, if an email from me has a scroll bar, it was written in a hurry. Because otherwise, I mean, I <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, I'm double checking to make sure. I'm sorry, it was not Benjamin Franklin. It was Mark Twain, another American whom I admire greatly. There you go, almost as good as Oscar Wilde. The Irish still have it. This is I. I like yes, this whole cool. example because it's it's starting with something that I didn't really recognize as a problem, and it's uh it's creating a solution that's much more elegant, and then we're going to take it up uh take it up a notch beyond that. Yeah, so I guess by the next time, if you could if you could invent a currency that we can implement, that would be nice. I don't gold know press I, latinum. You guys, gold press latinum. Okie dokie. Next time we'll be doing some gold press latinum, so we can I, test we might our have class. To go GPL we can... or something, which has double meaning, so that would be fun. Yeah, so we can test if our class is actually solving the problem I say it should solve. If it's easy for us to make some gold press latinum and some quatloos. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Ha, ha, ha.
This is this is okay. Great. And also, I thank you to this. Kaylee because we've completely. If Kaylee has copyright on the Hooniacker, we are out so much money. <laughs> I think she's going to get a big kick out of this episode. I hope so. All right. Okay, well, I, uh, I guess leg... we'll be oh. back in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I'm sorry, Alison. I worked so hard not to keep stepping on you this time, and we can't seem to quite find an ending point. I'm going to jump in here and assume that what you'd like me to say is, until next time, happy computing. If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.